Hello, small business owners. Welcome to this episode of the Freedom Focus Podcast. Today, I'm joined on the show by a longtime friend, Howard Bashford. Howard's a civil engineer by training and owned his own business in California for many years before completing his PhD and joining the faculty of the Delhi Webb School of Construction at Arizona State University. Welcome to the show, Howard. Well, thank you, Darren. Glad to be here. Howard was a central figure in my most recent article, Hope is Not a Business Strategy, being the one who shared this philosophy with me when it was clear that the business he and I owned together was in big trouble. He and I are going to talk about this challenging experience as business owners, why Howard said hope is not a business strategy in the first place, and also why this same philosophy had such a positive impact on my business, DR Washcheck LLC. Lastly, as I always do, we're going to talk about the very positive role hope can and should play in operating a successful business, in particular, a business that's freedom focused. So Howard, again, welcome to the show. And you know, you and I met over 30 years ago, if you can believe that. It was a, an awfully long time ago that we met. You, you, you remember that? I remember it well. <laughs> you were a very and, impressive person when I first, enterprising and impressive person when I first met you. Well, I appreciate that I very much, Howard. Thank you for that. Um, I was a student at, at ASU and uh, and in the Dell Webb School of Construction. Howard was um, my professor. He was a brand new professor. Came in. What year was that, Howard? That you were you came to ASU? Do you recall? I think it was 1991. 91. Okay. And I started, I was there. So you were there um, in my, I think for my, my junior year or my sophomore year. Um, but Howard not only uh, was a, a professor for some of the classes, he was my advisor. So Howard and I got to, to be pretty close on that. And, and I have to admit something here that Howard may not have ever heard before, but um, Howard, you were, you were probably one of the most important people in my life. I, I have to tell you that. And, and that's because a lot of the things that you and I did, shared experiences, um, they ultimately, I wouldn't be where I am today in, unless you and I had met and you had become a friend and we had interfaced. And uh, you were my college advisor, as I said. Uh, remember, we did the construction competition to Las Vegas and you were our advisor to that. You remember that whole that I whole remember, thing? I remember that well. And we won the commercial division, which that's was right. like... That was like the, the goat of, uh, of construction <laughs> competitions. That's right. And in fact, I even think I remember that because of, uh, and I, I, was the, uh, I was the person that ran the uh, co competition for the school, meaning I, I, I recruited and we, we raised money. And I think I remember at one point because of how I handled that, uh, you had said, that's why you wanted me to come back and work with you on the Energy Star program, the the uh, because I graduated and I was out working in the construction industry, and I was back at ASU working on a master's degree. And I'll never forget Howard called me uh, one day and said, "You know, uh, Darren, I I got this this thing called the uh, grant from the EPA's Energy Star program. You want to tell us more about that grant, Howard? I mean, what's it, what? How'd you end up getting the grant? Well, that was kind of an interesting situation." But um, a lot of people just kind of come through the university. Yeah. And one of them happened to be a fellow from the EPA. And, uh, and I don't remember the circumstances where I ended up in a meeting with this fellow, but 
he was in charge of getting Energy Star as something that was introduced in the United States. And at that ah. time, I believe the focus was on maybe refrigerators and computer screens for copiers. They wanted to be able to get Energy Star refrigerators and Energy Star computer screens that would uh, introduce or, or that would use less energy. Aha. Uh -huh. And and kind of my key thing with him, I was very interested in housing at the time and houses. And I said, well, how about a whole Energy Star house? How would something like that be for you? And uh, he thought about that. And I think he thought that maybe that had a possibility. And so that was the beginning then of some uh, back and forth between myself and, and that person. I wish I could remember his name, but it doesn't come right off the top of my head. Interesting. So, so with the Energy Star program, and by the way, most of you, most of you know me through um, just business coaching, but I spend an awful lot of time also working on um, energy efficient construction. And the EPA's Energy Star program was how I got into the whole world of energy efficiency. And I blame Howard for that because Howard called me and said, Darren, would you come back to the university and work with me on this grant that I just landed? And I picked up and left my position as a superintendent in the commercial construction world. And I was working on my master's degree. And I was like, it's an excuse to leave construction to go back to the university. Well, of course, I never left construction, really. Um, and that's when I started working on the Energy Star program. So, uh, Howard, everything I do today still revolves around that phone call that you made to me way back there you when. Go. You might recall I had to almost drag you out of that trailer. I think you were building the Arizona Science Center. That's right. Good memory. Phoenix. That's right. I had a little trouble getting onto the site because I didn't have insurance and that sort of thing that, that the guard at the gate wanted me to have before I went on site. Right, right, right. That's, boy, thank you for sharing that little nugget there, Howard, because that's stuff I didn't remember. And I didn't remember that it was hard to get me to come over to uh, the Energy Star program. I just remembered making the leap. But it changed my life. And then another thing that changed my life is when, and I can't say it was for the necessarily the positive for either Howard or myself, but when we started Superior Walls of Arizona, which was a franchise, a franchise that was trying to find its way out to the West, and, and Howard, tell us a little bit about how, how did Superior Walls get on your radar? Because that was something you asked me to, we basically partnered with, with your son, uh, you know, uh, uh, Benson, and then also with another gentleman who you knew to form a partnership to become, uh, buy that franchise. Well, the way that actually started, it had its roots in these construction competitions, because one of the things that we wanted to do in the construction competitions was to find unique products that maybe we could, uh, or innovative things that we could incorporate into our, into our proposals that we put together during the time of the construction competition, things that would make us better. Got it. Well, that coupled with this idea of the Energy Star program that was kind of well on its way well before that, made me go looking for ways to make houses more energy efficient, buildings more energy efficient. So I looked at different construction products, spent a lot of time looking for products that were just by their nature more energy efficient. And one of the things that, uh, that I came across was a little company 
out in rural Pennsylvania that had started precasting concrete basements. And, yep. and due to the system that they had developed for precasting, and it was actually their forming system, it, as a byproduct, just had energy efficiency built into it. Right. And by built into it, I mean that the forms for precasting were made out of styrofoam and the forms stayed in place and went with the walls wherever they went. Yeah. And so that got me interested in that company because of their product. Gotcha. And then you put together our partnership. So you found um, uh, Benson wanted to go into business, right? And and uh, and uh, Melvin was our money guy, right? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I was, uh, I don't know why you picked me other than, I guess I had some contacts with the builders, huh? Well, that and your enthusiasm for business and everything. Gotcha. That's good. Okay. And um, so, so the, the uh, Howard, that's superior walls. We'll come back to that here in a minute because that that's where our, our hope is not a business strategy phrase came from, but you know, you were, you were an entrepreneur before you came to ASU, right? You had your own business. Yes, I, I did. I had, uh, I had 20 years in, in, uh, in the Northern California area, I had a, a consulting engineering, consulting civil engineering business that expanded into a little bit into land development and into home building. Yep. And uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun of that for 20 years. And it's amazing how these downturns affect you. The way I ended up at AS, the way I ended up with a PhD, it was, was during the 1982-84 recession. Yep. Business was kind of slow, and so what could I do that would be better for me? And uh, my choices were either a six-month vacation in Tahiti or <laughs> maybe something that would be worthwhile in the future. So I went and got a PhD during that period of time. Got and it. then by then, President Reagan had been elected, and he got our economy back on track. And so about the time I was finishing that PhD, uh, money became available. I remember that, you know, we complain about 5% interest rate now. I remember that the interest rate on money got up to like 20 and 25% then. So nobody was borrowing money. You couldn't afford to do anything. Well, anyway, like I said, by the time I finished my PhD, life was good. Things were good. And then in about 1989, 1990, we started another downturn. Yep. And that's when I started thinking, you know, I'm tired of these ups and downs. I'm going to go someplace where they don't have ups and downs, I thought. And I ended up at Arizona State then. So, Howard, uh, I talk a lot about uh, exiting your business uh, with my clients and how you can do it in a way that works for you and on your own terms. You obviously left the uh, left your business to go and work at the university. What was that transition like? Did you sell? Did you just close it down? What did you do? Well, I, I guess I was, I've always had this thing that I always wanted to have a partner. And so okay. every business that I had, I had a partner. And um, the engineering business, not so much. But I had a person, an employee then, who was very interested in acquiring that. But I was able to have my partners buy me out of the three businesses I had going at the time I went, I went back to ASU. Nice. So that was how I stepped out of those businesses. Okay. So the partners 
played a good role for you that you you were able to have them buy you out. Now, did you just out of curiosity, when I ended up selling my company, uh, Dr. Washjack, I um I ended up uh, financing that for my the people the uh, the my three employees over three and a half years. D did you have that? Did you finance it, carry that, or did they go get a bank loan and send you on your way? Well, as far as our our uh, our construction project. Uh, our construction company and and our kind of land development company, my partners. Um, one of them was a, 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 a dentist and, you know, dentists always have lots of money. So <laughs> they were able just to buy me out of that. And okay. the dentist's wife was actually who my partner was in that. She was interested in land development and construction. She had gotten her own construction license, uh, contractor's license and and so she was interested in in uh, operating that business by herself. Okay. Uh, the engineering business, y yes, I did. I did need to finance that one. Okay, so you financed that one. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, let's move over to the um, the the, uh, the famous phrase here: "Hope is not a business strategy." And um, as I said in the article that I wrote, and by the way, I'll put the link to the article in the show notes for those of you that uh, that missed the article that talks about a lot of some of the things that we're, we're covering today, um, a lot of them. I couldn't really find an origin for the hope is not a strategy. It was not a business. I think Howard added that in, but how uh, hope is not a strategy. It really, there's not a lot of history. It's not like I could find that it was said in, you know, 1896 by such and such famous person or whatever. Um, so Howard, do you even remember where you might've heard that phrase? How is that, that that came into our discussions at Superior Walls? Gosh, I, I, you know, I, I, I really don't know. It's just something that I had kind of had in my repertoire, I guess, for a long time, but I, it wasn't the first time you had used it then evidently. It, it, it wasn't. And, and, uh, and you know, for it's it seems like for me because of my engineering background, perhaps. But you always yep. have to have a plan to uh, do things. It doesn't matter what you're going to do; you're going to need a plan. Yep. Um, and you know that plan can can be different things, but you can't just hope. And and maybe maybe I kind of you know fell into that with the idea that okay there was planning software that was starting to come onto the market by then where you could actually develop a uh, critical path method scheduling. Okay. And so um, I was kind of into, you needed to develop a plan like that or else you were going to get screwed up on your scheduling. If you, yeah. if you didn't, you'd, you'd start trying to get the, the uh, cart in front of the horse or something like that. And so I always thought that you know, when I was talking about that hope isn't a strategy, it would be hope, you know, at how to build something. You can't just have a strategy. You got to have a plan. You've always yeah. got to build a foundation first. Superstructure comes later. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when you said that, and, and we, we were we were at a point where we were hoping that we were going to have revenue coming in from certain sources. As I said in my article, it was really the, the production home builders. We worked and worked and worked. I worked every angle, everything I could do to mm -hmm. land a production builder. We even did some work. We did some basements for some production builders, but we just couldn't get them comfortable 
with our product in a, I think it was probably they couldn't see how we could scale what we were doing. That's always seems to be a factor is scaling. And then of course the engineering that we had to do was, was, uh, was in question as well. So not being able to get the builders on board uh, for that put us in a place where um, I, I, I think Howard, I remember when you mentioned that phrase, it's because you know, one, we were really hurting and we were hoping that we were going to have revenue coming in from different places. And you were like, you know, we need to have more than a, we need to have more than, than hope going on here. We need a plan, like you said. And that's kind of where that came from, if I'm not mistaken. I found an article recently that I thought was really interesting. It was a, a lady that was talking about a, a, uh, a professional. She was talking about advice that she gives to people that are struggling with burnout at work. And, you know, burnouts, of course, uh, with, with, uh, with anything it's big for not, of course, not just employees, but business owners as well. And she said this interesting phrase on behalf of an employee. She said, you can't bubble bath your way out of a bad work environment. So in other words, going home and, and hoping that everything's going to turn out okay is is not going to get the job done. You've actually got to take deliberate action, which of course is what Howard was saying, is that hoping that things are going to turn out okay is not good enough. You have to take deliberate action when it comes to that. So Howard, turning back to the uh, superior wall situation, that was a real challenge for us. Um, what were some of the lessons that you learned coming out of that? In particular, I don't know if we uh, we did mention. I think the Dependabase was a was your most recent company, which was basically a precast concrete basement system that you had refined, and to the point where you were ready, you had started another company. Um, yeah. But what were some of the big lessons that you remember? The takeaways from basically um, a negative experience turned into something that you were able to do something with that was positive. Well, I think. <laughs> Certainly one of the things I, I learned is that it's it's more difficult than I anticipated that it would be to take a product that's not uh, it's not used in an area and to bring it into a brand new marketplace. And I I think that's especially true in construction. Um, construction seems to be uh, something a, a field of traditions. People do things because they've traditionally done that. So all of a sudden, here comes somebody with a new innovative product, and it's hard to introduce new products into marketplace in construction. The second thing that I really learned is you have to be careful about relying on that the support that the franchisor provides to you might not be what you what you really need. Right, right. Yeah, those are those are important things, especially for those of you out there that might be looking at doing something with a franchise. And Superior Walls, they were fairly new, um, and they, I, as Howard uh, had uh, shared with me earlier, you know, they they were their franchise model worked really well for them in the East Coast, where the building codes are a little different and how they're enforced. But um, it, it was very unique for us out in the Wild West, if you will, and how things are done. Although we had fairly strict uh, building codes that made it more challenging, where on the opposite, on the East Coast, uh, there was a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, less stringent. Let me share with you some of the uh, some of the lessons that I learned out of, of Superior Walls. And um, we shut down Superior Walls at the end of 2005, and uh, we finally realized, even though. 
Um, I, I, I do believe that the idea of hope is not a business strategy actually got us to get off our duffs, if you will, and start, you know, looking at other opportunities besides the production builders, for example. Um, it was a little bit too little too late for us, unfortunately. So we shut it down at the end of 05. And there was a lesson that I learned, um, and Howard and I were there, uh, because we had an LLC, Spear Walls of Arizona LLC, and um, we went to an attorney, a bankruptcy attorney, and we said, hey, so uh, we're here to, what do we need to do to file for bankruptcy? And uh, Howard, do you remember what the attorney told us when we asked him that question? Oh, I really do. Yeah. He said, why are you filing for bankruptcy? You formed an LLC so that you wouldn't need to file for bankruptcy. <laughs> and we were all blown away by that. We're like, well, wait, what are you talking about? I mean, a lot, think about it, Howard. Uh, our business experience, unfortunately, um, uh, allowed us to take advantage of the limited liability portion of the LLC, which is why it's designed. It's exactly what it was designed it's it's for. for. Exactly. And, and how many business owners, they do it because that's what you do, but they don't think about that protection. But technically, in fact, legally, you and I were protected. Now, to be clear for everybody listening, having to shut down our company was not the proudest moment in my life. And I doubt it was the proudest yeah, moment in Howard's <laughs> life. Because unsecured creditors, unfortunately, they were left. Uh, they were left. Anybody that we had to take care of and could take care of, we did. But the LLC did what it was supposed to. It protected us. And again, you know, uh, it's not one of my brightest spots in my life. Uh, not only was it a failure as a business, um, but... Uh, you know, being able to or having to walk away from some of what I call obligations was honestly very difficult for me. And I'm the one that had to basically for a year, 2006, I had to face down everybody that said, where's my money? Where's my money? And we said, there is no more money. We, we, we have shut down the business. There's no more dollars. And it was really, really tough. And the attorney basically held our hands, but he never filed for bankruptcy and superior walls lasted. That doesn't mean Howard and I didn't have to pump a lot of money into the company to shut it down because we did. I know Howard and I both had to liquidate property. We had to, you know, uh, 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 you know, put more dollars into the, the, the company to take care of the creditors that we, that we needed to take care of, but it was not a fun situation. But yeah, um, if you've got an LLC and your back's against the wall, uh, it, it, it's supposed to be there for a reason, and we fully utilize that. Now, the Great Recession started um, for the home builders and my company, DR Washcheck, in the second quarter of 2006. So while I'm winding down Superior Walls, uh, basically, the, my other company, DR Washcheck, was about ready to get kicked in the teeth. Um, and so the housing permits after the, in the second quarter just nosedive, took a nosedive. And uh, in 2007, we basically cut staff, cut staff, cut staff, and uh, we, we thinned down pretty far, but it wasn't enough. So at the end of 2007, I basically huddled with my leadership team. I didn't have a leadership team formally at that time, but the people, the key employees, and we basically said, uh, um, we're our backs against the wall. We've got to do something different. And my right-hand person years later told me that when we went into that meeting, he was certain that I was going to say, we're going to shut it down. Um, we're done. Uh, let's pack our bags and call it over. But instead, what I whipped out at that meeting was this phrase that no one had heard before, 
Hope is not a business strategy. And they're all looking at me like I was crazy. And I said, we're going to take action. We're not going to give in on this. Um, we're going to right size DR wash check. We're going to, first of all, first thing we did was how much do we think we've got for revenue? And we figured it out and we said, are we confident we can get that over the next 12 months? And we felt very confident we could because of the circumstances. And I said, all right, we've got to now shrink the company down to that size. So we still have a company. I mean, I, I believe it was like $750,000 in revenue. And I'm like, that's a company. It's revenue. We've just got to now shrink to that revenue instead of instead of hope that we could still be a $2 million company, which basically is what we were. So uh, we basically started cutting and we shrunk the, our expenses, um, went from 28 uh, employees down to five. I had a 6,000 square foot office building that I had just purchased. We sold that. Um, we moved into an 1,100 square foot office space, and we also looked for other opportunities to diversify our income beyond just doing the work that we had been traditionally doing. And we got it down to size, and we rode out the storm for us, which is another three years of what I would call pain and suffering, but we basically rode it out. And in fact, I will tell you that shutting superior walls down was one of the low moments in my business career. But surviving the Great Recession with DR Washcheck um, was one of the most gratifying things that I ever did as a business owner. Because I said, if I can survive this, then maybe really I am a business owner. Maybe I am okay. And, and I survived. Um, now, let's talk for a second here. And Howard, by the way, um, before we leave that, was there anything else about Superior Walls or any of the experiences from that that you wanted to maybe share with everybody that uh, that maybe I, I I I spurred a memory or two for you. Anything else that you'd like to share? Well, just <clears throat> and I guess this gets into hope and luck, perhaps. And maybe you've never thought of this, Darren, but I've often thought we were lucky that we closed Superior Walls in 2005 because of that housing market crash. That there was no way we could have predicted our yeah. choices when we uh, closed that was to try and go find some more capital and invest and, and you know, try and keep that thing going. If we had found that capital and had invested it in more equipment and people and whatever would have been, and then 2006 would have captured us just yep. like it did DR Waschak. Well and said. We, we would have had a bigger fall. So yeah, I, we would have, I mean, so I, I think, you know, in some ways um, we, we were kind of lucky that, yeah. that what happened did happen. And, and so maybe the thing that comes out of that is that, you know, when you're faced with this thing where it's just looking bleak and, and you can't do what you did with Dior West Jack, you know, we're going to, uh, we're, we're, we're going to right size this company Um Maybe you forgot, and this is kind of the bad part about franchisers, is that they pulled our franchise from us. We yep. had to close. We, we had, had no to. choice. Yeah. We, they, they saw that we were in trouble, and they pulled the franchise from us. Yeah. Again, not a very bright moment in either one of our, our, our past, yeah. but they did it, and they did us a favor, quite exactly. frankly, because, Howard, we were, I mean, we were entrepreneurs. We were like, That's we right. made it this far. We're not going to give up. And I don't think we would have given up. You're right, Howard. If somebody would have given us more money, we would have kept dumping it into the hole that was superior walls. So, 
yeah, we got lucky. And and yes, I actually have thought about that because <laughs> the reality is we couldn't make it in a smoking hot, super busy, super per, uh, uh, ex, um, per, uh, just a really good market. The home yeah. building market up through 2005 was killing it. It was a very hot market and we couldn't even survive in a great market. Like Howard said, we would have never made it never made it in a in a down market uh so yeah howard thank you for thank you for reminding me that 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 you know feeling fortunate is is another takeaway from that so let's let's talk about hope a little bit more so um hope hope is is not a business strategy in and of itself it's, it can get you into trouble um even in the example we just talked about had we 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 hoped that we could still make superior walls go um, or foolishly thought we could keep it going. Um, but we needed to have a plan. We needed to have a strategy. Hope actually, it plays a, a central role for successful companies, okay? And and pardon me for a second, but I want to kind of rely on a, on, a, on a dictionary definition of hope, which is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And synonyms for hope are aspiration, desire, wish, expectation, ambition, aim, plan. Uh, so that those are the synonyms. And I would suggest that one of the essential roles that hope plays in a successful business is uh, in vision. It plays a role within vision because hope is embodied within vision. Uh, and it's a key factor for me with freedom focused. Vision is. And, and when you can see how the two work together when you think about it as vision is something that gives people something to look forward to, right? It's something to work for, uh, work towards. Uh, it creates greater meaning for the work that you're doing today. So if I'm working on some particular task for my business or for an employer, I want to know how that task fits into this bigger picture. Uh, how does that fit in with where we're going and what we're doing? Um, hope. Uh, vision is inspirational, just like hope is. It's motivating uh, because you've got to have hope that there's a better future. That's what vision is all about. And by the way, vision and hope together, they're the foundation for goal setting. So that's the plan. That's the plan that Howard talked about, this idea that there's goal setting um, that will get you to that goal. So it's not good enough just to hope you're going to get to the vision. If you stop there, you're toast. With freedom focused, what you need to also do is make sure that you're doing uh, goal setting, which I've talked about many times. You've got to have your 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 end goal, your big, hairy, audacious goal. Like, where are we going to go in 10 years? And then, well, what do I need to do in the next three years to get there? What do I need to do in the next one year? And then what do I have to do this quarter to get to that one-year goal, to get to that uh, a three-year goal, and so on and so forth? So they're all tied together, but hope plays an essential role even if it's not, even if it's not a strategy in and of itself. So Howard, uh, how much of that stuff, how much of what I shared is something that rings true with you or that you'd like to, you know, maybe challenge me on? Please do so if I've maybe said something that you thought thought was maybe too flowery um, for uh, people that are, mm -hmm. that are trying to be realistic. No, I think, I think hope is what, uh, is what uh, motivates us to start down to particular paths. The hope of producing something better, the, the hope of being more energy efficient, the hope of having a, a, a better world to live in. And so I, you know, 
I think you've said it well, and uh, I think hope is is extremely important as a part of anything, um, especially for people who are small business people, because let's let's face it, if you're if you're a small businessman, you have some pretty tough competition out there in terms of larger businesses a lot of times. Um, and the way that you're going to be able to get resources and, and inspire employees to come to work for you and that sort of thing is, is the hope <laughs> that they can get from you, that their life will be better in working for you because they'll be able to make a positive contribution. And I think when you have that well expressed, that makes you better able to, to get uh, really good top employees because they'll be able to see that they can be part of something that does make a difference in their lives because they have things they want to accomplish in their lives also. Absolutely. Well said, Howard. Well said. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And, and Howard, thank you for sharing that phrase with me that I, I don't think you could have even imagined how big of an impact. It literally was the reason that DR Washcheck survived was that phrase from you. And of course, the experience, albeit from a negative experience, the experience that I gained at Superior Walls trying to keep that business. And of course, all the things that I've learned from you over the years, not only in business, but, but all the way back to the days when you were my advisor at ASU, Howard, and also our friendship that has been strong for so many years. You are one of the, uh, the special people that I, I like to, uh, to always try and reach back to and make sure that we stay in touch because you are a great friend um, in so many ways. So thanks so much for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> and I, I want to also tell everybody that uh, on my website, and I'll put it in the show notes, I'm going to have a, a free vision builder tool uh, that I make available. And again, no cost. And I'll put a, it in the show notes. It'll be a link to it in the show notes. But it's a tool that I created that will help you as a small business owner to create the vision, a vision for your uh, your business. You're going to do a vision statement and also a future state vision. And that's where all, both of these things, when we're talking about vision, embodies this idea of hope. So that's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. If you like the show, please be sure to share it with your friends and your colleagues. And I look forward to being back with you again in two weeks. Until then, stay focused on your freedom. <laughs>